0: The reading for this morning is Luke 2, 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth, to Galilee, to Judea, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flock that night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had happened and told them about this child and all heard and was amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: Again, a very, very special welcome to those who are possibly new this morning, possibly here because of the children singing, possibly here because in this Christmas season you want to learn more about who Jesus is and how he might possibly make a difference in your life. My name is Tim Behrens, I'm one of many pastors in this community, it's interesting this morning that as I focus on this passage from Luke chapter 2, they're also focusing on this passage in the mandarin service focusing on glory to God in the highest and on earth peace a peace that we might experience at 11 o'clock in the Iranian community they'll also be focusing on this passage under the title the great the good news of great joy so this is a passage that is often considered on in this Christmas season And as I prepare to lead you into an angle by which I hope the joy of Jesus might impact us, would you join me in a prayer? Oh Lord, this remains good news of great joy which is not simply to be for the people who already know this good news and know this joy but this is to be good news of great joy for all people. We pray, O Lord, that your spirit would awaken this news as good to each of us in the places where we are this morning, and that your spirit would well well up within us joy that is not rooted in circumstance, but flows from you, Jesus, the living water. And we pray, O Lord, that even as we hear this good news, you might empower us as your people to be a people who care and are attentive to the many who wake up this day not knowing this news of great joy. For the praise of your glory, we pray, amen. Over the last four weeks, we have looked at God's message about the birth of Jesus announced to his various servants. In each of these announcements, God's messenger, often an angel, who in Scripture are referred to as messengers of God sent on behalf of those being saved in Hebrews 1. The angel has said to his human servants when announcing some good news, fear not. This journey has been helpful to many of us as the Holy Spirit makes us aware of fears within our own lives that He wants us to bring to Jesus. It's been very helpful to me in my life. You can learn more about this journey by going to our website and listening to one of the messages around this series. This morning, I want to finish this series, as I already mentioned, by looking at a familiar passage to many of you, but from an angle that fills many people with fear. And it's the angle of politics. Specifically, I want from this passage to ponder the politics of the peace of Christ. I'm aware As I've mentioned, there are many other angles by which we could look at this passage. But my hope is that through this pondering of this passage, it will lead us to respond to Jesus as the angels did, as the shepherds did, and as Mary did. Pondering. This word expressed about Mary who pondered and treasured these things in her heart, reveals the quiet actions of a person determined to hold closely to his or her heart and mind what they believe is important for them to engage. The word pondering means holding close and not letting them simply drift away as if they were not meant to be treasured. It was this pondering that Luke hoped the readers of his gospel in Luke and then in Acts would do as he writes this gospel so that people would quote, know the certainty of the things you have been taught about Jesus. That you will ponder with growing certainty the things that have been taught about Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, pondered the things she heard and saw in her heart and mind, not to cast them aside, but to treasure them so that they might grow in her greater certainty in Jesus, the eternal Son of God, conceived in her by the Holy Spirit. Many of us know this experience of pondering in ways that over this past year have led us to treasure Jesus more. It has been a joy to see a growing number of you who maybe a few years ago had no appetite for Scripture, now are treasuring the things that you discover in Scripture as you gather with others around Jesus. For some of us who are new to Jesus, even new to the story this morning. It might be that it's Jesus himself leading you to want to pause and ponder about who he is and what he is about. I have found such joy in Jesus and it's interesting that the more you ponder Jesus, the greater appetite he places in you to ponder him such that you move away from fear, away from doubt, away from unbelief, away from cynicism, away from despair, and as you ponder this peace of Christ, move into growing certainty in Jesus. Truly, Jesus has become, for many of us, the treasure that we seek. So from this passage, I would like to consider, amongst many things, three angles to ponder the peace of Christ, the politics of the peace of Christ. Let me mention the three angles and then invite you to look with me at this passage and I'll dip back into one of the Old Testament prophecies, Isaiah as well, as we first ponder that the peace of Christ must never. I actually wrote here, is not, but I think it, I need to make it stronger. The peace of Christ may not be reduced to any human rule. The second thing I want to ponder from this passage is that the peace of Christ is filled, it's filled with certainty. It is filled with the content of certainty. The peace of Christ is not something uncertain, as we will see. And the final angle I want to consider from this passage is that the peace of Christ is truly good news of great joy for all people, which is a direct quote from what this passage says. So let's begin. That the peace of Christ is not to be reduced, must not be reduced to any human rule. As we enter this story, we read that the birth of Jesus happened in the days of Caesar Augustus, who ruled the empire of Rome from 30 B.C. to 14 A.D., Historians explain that Caesar Augustus inaugurated what was called the Pax Romana, or the Roman Peace, a time of peace in the Roman Empire. This was a peace of such stability that it made it possible for the citizens to conduct census and to go from place to place because of the peace that prevailed for them to be safe to travel. Many of the people at this time were told to place their hope in the emperor who was seen as a godlike figure, as we see in so many countries of the world yet today. They were told to place their hope in the peace that the emperor promised. Many today fall into the trap of placing their hopes in politicians, in political parties, even in particular nations the peace of christ however is announced as above human rule the peace of christ in this passage clearly is not reduced to any human rule in fact the human rule of caesar augustus announced in this passage is merely a preface to the truly important news announcing the birth of Christ. And as you go through the Gospel of Luke and into the book of Acts, you see that the announcement of the peace of Christ, the announcement of Christ's birth, culminates at the end of the book of Acts with the announcement of his birth being proclaimed to these Roman rulers by such people as the Apostle Paul. So it is important to ponder this a bit longer. As many of you wonder how we might practice the peace of Christ not to be reduced to any human rules. For many, many decades, God has led me to ponder this angle of the peace of Christ. I mentioned a moment ago about the Apostle Paul who lived as a Roman citizen under Roman rule. He offers some guidance in 1 Timothy chapter 2, which I find very, very helpful as we think of the uh, angle that the peace of Christ must not be reduced to any human rule. Notice what he writes. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. And pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. I don't want to take long on this passage, but I think there's much that can help us so that the peace of Christ might not be reduced to any human rule first thing he urges is that we be people of prayer. People of prayer for all people, for kings, and those in authority. Think of the people in authority over you. Think of the people having authority in our community, in our city, in different spheres of influence. This passage is saying that we who are Christians who know the peace of Christ should pray. Picture us as a body of people filtering the prayers of his people into our community to say to the teachers in our schools, we're praying for you. How can we pray for you? saying to those who are employers over us, I'm praying for you, how can I pray for you? Paul goes on to explain that one of the primary reasons for doing so isn't, first of all, that they will be changed, although he gets there. He says that one of the reasons for doing that is that we might live peaceful, That the peace of Christ might guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That we might, in our posture to others, not be reduced to the politics of the day, but that in our posture to others, we might reflect the peacemaking of Jesus Christ. And that there would be a quietness about us. That we wouldn't be stirred up with all the things that can so stir people up, and that our lives would reflect God, the godliness that comes from God, and the holiness into which Christians have been brought through the holiness of Jesus. He then says that this is good. This this is just very good, and it pleases God, our Savior. When we do that, we are worshiping Jesus. We are pleasing Jesus because as we do so, it allows and encourages the work of Jesus to be seen through our witness in a manner that leads others to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. This is such a profound pondering as we move forward as a church in our different communities. And then he declares the truth that there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This passage closes by pointing to Jesus, who is our peace, and demonstrated the peace of God by dying for the hatred of humankind. I want to move to another pondering, and that is simply this, that the peace of Christ is filled with certainty. In verses 4 and 5 of this chapter, reference is made to the census, but what you maybe miss is that the census that Joseph and Mary go to is in the place where it is promised that Jesus would be born, in the line from which Jesus would be born. There was great uncertainty over, there was and is great uncertainty over the various rules of humans. Different political leaders at the time were known to be good or bad, misusing the people, not standing up for the people, Their motives were questioned. Their actions were questioned. There were many questions about what would be the result of their time in political office. But in Luke 2, verses 4 and 5, we see that Jesus was born into the line of David from the line of Jesse. Many important promises had been given to God's people about the line of Jesse and the line of David that would be fulfilled in the coming king. Therefore, as we ponder this peace of Christ that is certain, Luke desires that we would see that Christ's peace is filled with certainty. Let me mention three such certainties from many that could be mentioned. I want to mention the certainty about Christ's eternal rule that Luke wants us to see and makes clear even more as we move into the book of Acts. The certainty of the eternal end that is in Christ. And the certainty that Luke wants us to see ever more clearly as his gospel and the book of Acts unfolds. The the certainty of Christ's one-time sacrifice. Let me point First of all, to a passage that speaks of the certainty of Christ's eternal rule from Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, which Pastor Andrew read during our time of prayer. In this passage, written hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, the prophet says these words pointing to Jesus. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is born is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, notice that phrase, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So when I speak that the peace of Christ is filled with certainty, one aspect of that certainty is the certainty that we can know of the eternal reign, the eternal rule of Jesus. We are not living in a world of chaos. We are living in a world ruled by our wonderful counselor, by our mighty God, by our everlasting Father, by the Prince of Peace, the greatness of Christ's rule, and the shalom, the peace that he seeks to extend into the world will have no end. And he works to establish and uphold the world with justice and righteousness, not simply in one generation, but forevermore. And while humans can participate in this eternal certain rule of Christ. The passage makes clear that it's the zeal of the Lord Almighty who will accomplish that. It is important in this Christmas season and at all times that we ponder this certainty about the peace of Christ and the rule of Christ. But there's another certainty that's really helpful for us to ponder, and that's the certainty of the eternal end that is in Christ. Many Christian writers through church history talk about what is to come as more real, not less real. One of the reasons they say it's more real is that it's eternal. It will have no end. God has no beginning and no end, and the eternal life that he offers to those who live in Christ is a life that will have no end. So as we consider that the peace of Christ is filled with certainty, it's important that we fill our minds and ponder the certainty of the eternal end we have in Christ. Isaiah 11 is one of those passages that helps us to think about the end that is in Christ. Isaiah writes, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy with justice, he will give decisions for the poor on earth. The wolf will lie, live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them, speaking of Jesus. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now you might hear these words and say, oh, I only wish. I only wish. But that is the certain eternal end that is in Christ. The end that is in Christ will not be death. The end that is in Christ will be eternal life. And those who belong to Christ will have real raised bodies living in a new heavens and new earth. There will be real fellowship with God and real fellowship through God with one another. And the picture we get is a picture of a society without hostility, a society where there's a depth of shalom, of peace between people that not only leads to enjoyment but leads to a rest that so often is missing in our day-to-day world. So as we ponder this story, it's important that we ponder that the peace of Christ must not be reduced to human rule or to human goals, but also that we ponder that the peace of Christ is filled with certainty of Christ's eternal rule. It's filled with certainty of the eternal end of Christ's reign. But there's another certainty about the peace of Christ that we may not miss, and that is the certainty of Christ's one-time sacrifice on the cross. Some of you come from Christian backgrounds, where the one-time sacrifice of Jesus Christ is somewhat on the edge of your Christian belief. And yet, the basis of our Christian belief to be certain is because of the one-time sacrifice of Christ. The eternal Son of God conceived into a Virgin Mary, to live a perfect life did so so that he could take upon himself our sins and become the means of our peace with God and the means by which we might develop relationships of peace with peoples and individuals and including ourselves with whom we experience hostility The one-time sacrifice of Christ defeated and conquered death. The one-time sacrifice of Christ defeated and will destroy Satan. The one-time sacrifice of Christ and subsequent resurrection means that we can be assured of eternal life. So the peace of Christ is filled, filled with certainty. That is important for us to ponder. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. He is our peace. Was on him. By his wounds we are healed. That is such good news of great joy. Which leads me to want to take you Oh, that's not at all what I want, but that's okay. Just leave it. That's a pretty picture. (laughs) Let me take you then to the last pondering that I want to do with you this morning. And that's what I've already alluded to, that this passage makes clear in such beautiful ways. And that is that the peace of Christ is good news of great joy. For all people. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that the peace of Christ is good news only for those who believe it. The good news that the angels announce is good news of great joy for all people groups, for every person. In every part of their life. Now here's where the rub comes. Yeah, I don't know if that includes this group of people. The shepherds were on the outside. As we get through the book of Luke, constantly we see Jesus loving to spend time with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus wanted to make clear that he was bringing good news of great joy for all people. Now, you might think this morning, I'm beyond that good news. My life is good enough. The joy that I have is sufficient. But let me urge you this morning, instead, to respond in one of the ways that we see in the story possibly respond as Mary did. She pondered these things in her heart. She treasured them. If you come this morning and you're cynical and you're kind of indifferent to what you call the cute Christmas story, consider that the peace of Christ might be good news of great joy for you. Possibly for others of us it might lead us to the kind of worship that we find in the shepherds who said, come, let's go find out more about this one whom the angels have announced. Our worship isn't just in song. Our worship as we ponder Jesus, as we ponder him who is the peace of God, our worship of Jesus deepens as the Spirit of God shows us more and more ways in which he wants us to glorify Jesus. I was struck, quite struck a couple weeks ago when Pastor Andrew said that part of the work of the Holy Spirit in us is to form us in the mind of Christ, form us in the person of Christ. And what we find happening, like the shepherds, is that as we focus on Jesus, the Spirit of God expands our understanding of what it means to live a life that glorifies Jesus. But there's one other response that I hope that the Spirit of God will cause to increase among us in this coming year. Their witness was joyful. Like the shepherds didn't walk. They ran. And when they saw him who was Christ the King, they began to gossip the gospel, as some people call it. They began to speak of Jesus. Because he had filled them with joy. I think about that as we go into the mall, as we go into our buildings, as we stand in our elevators, as we go to our classes, as we go to our workplaces. May the peace of Christ constantly remain good news of great joy that causes us to ponder that motivates our worship to glorify him more and more, and that enables us to bear witness to Jesus in a manner that points others to his joy. People of God, as we consider and ponder the politics of the peace of Christ, let's worship him who is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Let me say something to those of you this morning who have yet to call Jesus your Lord. I hope that this morning, through what the children did, through the different prayers offered, the songs that we sang, some of the reflections you heard from the message, might lead you to ponder that might lead you to ponder the possibility that the message about Jesus is good news that it could produce in you a joy that you have never experienced, that will not end, but might last forevermore in ever increasing ways. If you've come with someone and uh, you want to talk about it, I'm sure that they would be happy to do so. In the front, There will be people available to pray with you. We have connection cards uh, in your pew. You could fill one out, give it to an usher, or drop it off at the Welcome Center. We love going out for coffee together and journeying uh, from your starting point in a way that's helpful. And for the rest of us, may we remember that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light, that God has brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, and may the light of the kingdom of God that is filled with the peace of Christ not be a passing thought to you, but may it shape every facet of your life, that you might become known as a peacemaker who brings to people the possibility of peace with God. Go in his name. Amen.